0: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention?
1: I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball!
0: It's not quite a cannonball, everybody, but it is Nerd Out, the season-ending episode of Nerd Out. Welcome to what we hope is going to be a very fun uh, event today and we're going to go through uh, some year-end stuff on nerd out today but in order to do that I can't do it by myself I had to bring in two of my favorite guests not Bridget and Joe but Andy Jabour and Jennifer Lynn
1: Walker your next favorite guests You're- my, <laughs>
0: ne- <laughs> my next favorite guest that's exactly <laughs> right so how have you guys been? Andy, you know, we talk a lot. So I I let's let's just push you to the side. You know, I don't I don't necessarily we have security sprint, whatever we Jen, how are you doing? You are all over the news. Where have you been, Jen?
2: Well, to your point, and all the previous security sprints and whatnot. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like that um that new that clip you just played. <laughs> <laughs> it's been crazy with um you know with news in the water water and wastewater sector and and just even if the incident itself isn't um what I well, what I'll say this guy is falling it's just just tracking it and and all the mm, boy i hate to say noise associated with it but i'm just going to say it um all the chatter associated with it is um it's it's pretty been pretty busy
0: yeah, so we like to break news on our Gate 15 podcast. And when Jen was with me on the Security Sprint podcast, I think it was two weeks ago, Jen was um it, we we talked about the water, the incident at, at water. It was just developing at the time. So we're we like to be breaking news there. And in, in that time since Jen has been all over providing excellent commentary and leadership in this space. So she's been doing really good work working with Water ISAC and And the National Council of ISACs and and all that stuff. So, that's awesome to hear, Uh, Andy. I will throw you a bone. What 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 have you been up to, Andy? How have you been? I've been reading the news about Jen. Okay, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. So, all right. So let's get into things. We're not quite a sprint here. We take things a little bit more, you know, methodical. We're very deliberate here. Oh, go Jen.
2: I just want to say that um, I'm honored to be on Nerd Out. This is my first. Um, showing or
0: um, uh, appearance on Nerd Out. Oh wow. oh, wow. Is that real? Is that oh, okay? Well, great. Well, well we, we, we're we breaking in here, Jen. We'd <laughs> love to have you here on Nerd Out, then, and we'll have to make you a, a regular contributor for sure. Um, but we like to have a little fun here. Um, so, what we're going to do on this episode is we're going to go through the, you know, every year around this time, we get security predictions about what's going to happen in 2024 and all that other stuff well we're going to look back at what people said at this time last year about 2023 and we're just going to go through five items and we're going to see you know was that on the mark did they slightly off or or completely miss you know where where do they fall in um we went through a bunch of different um different articles and and publications to pull out some of the ones that were we thought were really good so we did five or six of these things so we'll go through those we'll we'll work through them and then at the end we'll talk a little bit about you know what are the one or two stories that really looking back at 2023 what were those one or two security stories that really stand out and you think may have a lasting impact as we go into 2024 and beyond. So does that sound okay with you guys, Jen and and Andy? Sounds good. I accept Uh your challenge, Dave. All right. So since Jen is is clearly the more important person here, we're going to start with Jen on all of these, and then we'll go to Andy next. And, and I'm going to try my best to get as many Andy digs in as possible. So if, if it sounds like I'm going overboard, well, I am. So let's just be very clear on that. So all, all right so let's 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 get ready to play our game here. So the first security prediction uh for 2020 in 2022 for 2023 was more nation state cyber attacks based on lessons learned from the Ukraine war. Uh and I'll expand it a little bit more maybe talking about destructive attacks, information operations and other cyber aggression from the big four, Russia, China, Iran and North Korea. So Jen, turning you first. Did that hit the mark? Slightly off, or completely miss the the target?
2: Uh, somewhere between. I'm gonna go with slightly off. Um, I'm not gonna speak to information. Uh, operations because I know Andy that you guys love to talk about that, so I'm gonna defer that part of it. But as far as the destructive attacks in cyber aggression, um from what I can see. And, I, and I'm not going to say that, you know, that the powers that be have more visibility, but thus far, um, you know, we're just kind of slightly off. Um, I kind of approach all of that with a with a healthy skepticism. Um, I always keep, you know, when CISA talks or NSA or FBI talks that, you know, to keep your eyes open, you know, the Shields Up or Shields Ready campaign, I, I keep my eyes and my ears open on potential because the potential always exists. But, I don't think, I mean, we certainly didn't see anything on the, you know, attacks on the homeland, like, you know, maybe we were, I don't even want to say anticipating, but we were kind of holding our breath for it. like it could happen and, and it didn't. And thankfully, it hasn't. Now, that's not to say that adversaries, these adversaries, Russia, China, uh, Iran, North Korea, aren't lurking in our networks. And, and I'm not going to get to why they haven't pulled the trigger yet. You know, I'm not, that's the you know, Political isn't really my forte, but um, we'll go with slightly off with a side of not quite yet or both okay. or vice versa, something like that.
1: Yeah. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Andy, where are you going with this one? So I have, I have a similar answer, be it with a different approach. So I agree that it's somewhat off, um, but unlike cautious Jen, who likes to you know thoughtfully caveat her, her answers, I'll just go in with both guns blazing and... <laughs> so, so I, th- I think it's slightly off where I would change I, th- I think not not necessarily nation state but but actors on behalf of a supportive nation state maybe, maybe it might be a way to put it um and not destructive right We a lot of destructive attacks but disruptive right and so um to the point you're we making earlier you know with with uh, the gentleman very involved with you know that there are geopolitical events and interest and that you know, cyber is another threat vector for the for these nation states and actors operating on their behalf. I think that's very true. I think that's very true. And I think we've we've seen disruptive attacks. You know, we've seen money making attacks you know, from North Korea, for example, leveraging uh, vulnerabilities, leveraging zero days, leveraging ransomware right to gain money right th- through extortion. We'll come back to ransomware, I think, multiple times in this discussion. But also, you know, to the foot stomping kind that Jen made. You know, CISA has been doing a a good job of beating a very steady beat on China, and and there's an article as recent as today in the Washington Post today, recording us on December twelfth, you know, talking about China in our critical infrastructure, not to you know blatantly cause harm today, but to have that leverage in the event of uh, if there's a military conflict, if there's geopolitical turmoil, that they've got that leverage back on U.S. critical infrastructure. Let us know that hey you know sort of goes back to that nuclear mutually assured destruction right we we can pull this trigger if we want to. don't make us do it kind of thing right so it's a little bit of a little bit of uh, leverage that they can try and play should there be open military conflict, for example, around Taiwan or something along those lines, so I agree with Jen somewhat accurate statement not wrong, but not not the extent that it was laid out there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with you both here. I I agree. I do think what'll be interesting is for
0: 2024 how the the big four play in. Obviously, we got a big election in the United States. A lot of big things around the world occurring in 2024. So we'll be interesting to see how that manifests next year. But I would agree. I'll stick with you both on the slightly off. But I do think that they they are out there lurking. It's they're just not going to wave that flag and say, yeah, see what I did? You know, it's just not going to happen like that. You like that voice? That was good. Great. I like that. Mm, yeah, that was nice. <laughs>
2: was that like a SpongeBob or something?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't intend to do it, but I think it, it wound good up there, for sure. All, all right. Next one growing trouble with multi-factor authentication attacks. Did that hit the mark? Was that slightly off or completely off target?
2: I could say, I would say spot on, enough said, but then I'm gonna pull a Dave and expound (laughs) a little bit, but really not much. Um, This is largely social engineering at its finest. We already know that we humans are susceptible to social engineering attacks and the bad guys, are really good at creating convincing pretenses and lures and um, it's it, it's spot on it wasn't surprising that it continued and i'm sure again as andy alluded to we'll probably touch on a few instances or examples here and there throughout this but yeah spot on
0: very
1: good very good jen and the very good jen how about you andy I, I like going second because I can just say concur and that works really well. So yeah, I, I concur. I think you know, it is one of those things where, again, this has done a great job of, of strongly advocating for organizations to apply multi-factor authentication. And now we're seeing comments, you know, from legal circles and, and, and others, um, experts in, in, in security post incident when somebody didn't have mandatory MFA. I can think most recently of 23andMe, for example, when it's not a mandatory application of MFA, when it's an optional people are coming back on the back end and saying, hey, this this was lazy security. Why wasn't it mandatory, right? So there's been a great push to to get MFA in place, good, reliable MFA in place. That's increased over the last year. It's done its job effectively over the last year. But in this game of cat and mouse, as, as we move to different you know, security measures and the adversary works to bypass those security measures. And so more use of MFA, more tax on MFA you know, more compromise of MFA. It's just, that's just the way it goes, but it's still the right thing to do. It's still critically important. It's just, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be attacked and it's going to be, um, you know, the adversary is going to find a ways around it as best they can.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I'm going to definitely, we'll go two for two here with, uh, I agree this one hit the mark for sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of reporting out there. There's a mobile security index that uh, Verizon recently put out. They talked about SMS um attacks. They talked about MFA attacks um in, in the the way that the threat actors are leveraging, you know, this security function to kind of cause and create security fatigue, security frustration uh with with individuals. So I, I do agree we'll we'll make that a two for two here. We're gonna have to kind of have some variety here, but um <laughs> But let's go with this one here, Jen, for the next one. Social media tax surge, including the use of targeted deep fakes. This kind of plays into your social engineering, um, you know, when you look at the evolution of deep fakes and, and how they can be used to social engineer attacks and stuff. So, Jen, what do, where do you think there? Did it hit the mark? Did it slightly off or was it completely off target? All right.
2: So in your original notes, you have kind of a two-parter here. So I'll answer the first part, <laughs>
0: but,
2: and I'll wait for you ask the second part.
0: Well, here, let's so get, get let, let let's not tease it. I'll, <laughs> I'll give it here. So the second part is MFA adoption fuel surge in social engineering. So there, there's the second part there, Jen.
2: Okay. Part one, um, I, I think it's slightly off. Uh, there's definitely been an increase in the social media tax. And uh, targeted deep fakes. There's, there's been, uh, but I think surge, I don't know if surge is the right word. Um, you know, as, however, on part two, um, you know, MFA adoption, fuel surge, and social engineering, we we talked on that the last one. Andy pretty much said it. Um, I definitely will go with a surge there. So part one, slightly off, definitely an increase, but surge, not, maybe not so much. But I'll let, again, Andy, I know, follows deep fakes more. Um, but that goes because that goes to the miss, mal, and disinformation type stuff. So that's how I feel.
1: Yeah, where 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 are you going with this one, Andy? So so thanks for the the teeing up the ball, Jen. I'll I'll again have to reluctantly agree with Jen on this. I think, <laughs> um, you know, I think there. You know, this time of the year we see a lot of. Uh, you, know, prog- you know, ideas for what's going to happen next year, right? A, lo- a lot of theories. And, and mixed in with that are some really good thoughts on what's going to happen next year. And there's a fair amount of, of FUD, you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. There's a fair amount of, of scare uh, tactics used. Deepfakes are a concern. There's something we have to be cognizant of. We're going to see more of it in our environment for sure. To this point, you know, we're seeing voice manipulation. People, you know, scamming others. You know, the 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 grandma calls, right? That they've got a loved one that's been kidnapped and things of that nature. Not that those are not very serious and concerning incidents, but staying sort of at the you know scam level right now. For the most part, we haven't seen major compromises because somebody thought the boss directed, you know, launching of the nuclear. Uh, arsenal right so we haven't seen that. I don't think we're going to see that next year either I think I think the, the these these concerns are out there we want to stay on top of them We want to be aware of them. But We haven't seen anything that's you know a significant significant consequence for an organization or government to this point that I can think of, so I think the first part is definitely. Off we're not quite there yet, but something if you aware of and again concurring with Jen we, we address the MFA point yeah as as we increase MFA. We're going to find the adversary finding ways to get around that, and we've seen that, including you know, the very uh, well publicized you know goings going on in with MGM you know in Las Vegas. So that that was probably the best example of the year of, of how that occurs.
0: Yeah, so I'm the host here, so I'm going to take some liberty with the uh, the risk. I'm going to say it hit the mark because I I do think that we did see enough of the deep fake. T- so I'm going to remove selectively remove the word surge from the. Uh, you know, the, that that statement. But I will say that I think we saw enough of capability within deepfake, especially some of these scams with calling some of the, you know, elderly people about, you know, granddaughter, grandson in jail need help and and had some, I think there's enough of that there to say that this is a rising risk. Now, whether that's next year, the year after or whatever, I, I, I think it's enough to be able to say, we need to have this on our radar. We need to start, you know, Getting increasing awareness around there. What are some of the the learnings that we can teach our employees about? So I, that's where I'll slightly differ. So we'll just and plus I want to be a um what, what's that what's that word? Yeah, I, I want to be you're looking
1: for country. But yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like you're holding back. I feel like maybe this is one of those moments where it's sort of like you know uh, I'm asking for a friend. Is, is that how we're going for so, you know? Did did you hear <laughs> somebody that that was compromising in a deep fake and you know? <laughs> 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 maybe, I'm, maybe I'm misreading it. Maybe I'm misreading.
0: It, so. Next one, next one, Andy. We
1: gotta go to the next one. Please. Next one. we got to work <laughs> on time here.
0: Jen, did you want to say anything else on that? No. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So number four here. More critical infrastructure attacks that could that impact society. More critical infrastructure attacks that could impact society. Jen, where where are you going on that one? Hit the mark slightly off or completely off target.
2: I think it's slightly off. It's certainly not off target. Um, I'm not sure it's spot on. Again, I think, you know, it it goes back to our adversaries that we talked about in the first one with, you know, creating more impacts. Um, So there's that. Now, that said, you know, we've had the um, ransomware miscreants, you know, targeting, highly targeting um, hospitals, um, you know, in that article, you guys, are we, one of the things you guys were talking about, um, Denise Anderson uh, was written up as well as I was and made some comments about um, health care. So Andy could feverishly find those. Um, but you know, there's been a lot of targeting on hospitals. So in that respect, that impacts can impact care that can impact availability of resources and, and things like that. So from that perspective, um, but I think that's, I, an isolated sector. Um, so not quite yet. Um, you know, again, I, I think I said, I, you know, I, I believe there are some, you know, uh, they uh, the actors are in some key networks. And again, they just kind of reiterating the first one, they haven't pulled the trigger yet. Um, but, um, you know, I've always leaned more towards the, you know, the, the technical side of, you know, the what and the how is happening as opposed to the who's. Um, so I just think, yeah we're
1: slightly off okay all right fair enough andy yeah so i think we haven't seen it where 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 i stumble with it is where it says impacting society right so that's a little bit fuzzy right so there have been a lot of attacks on critical infrastructure they have been disruptive but they've been disruptive to those organizations and those patrons clients whomever patients Right. Absolutely. Right. healthcare, Absolutely. Education. Absolutely. Ransomware attacks have hit every sector. What we haven't seen is colonial pipeline, right? We, we haven't seen you know, that catastrophic attack of twenty twenty one significant emotional event for our country. Right I mean, that, that was a significant incident of significant consequence. I think one, I don't know that anybody really wants to be the actor that does that. Right. I, I think that was that, is, that can be a little bit of an oopsie and gain more attention than than anybody really wants. Right. that might be too big. And we just haven't seen it. We haven't seen something of that significant consequence. So it hasn't been a societal impact, right, at a broad scale. But certainly, you know, at the local level, attacks are continuing. They're flourishing. They're happening more and more. They're happening across critical infrastructure. They're happening to other uh, organizations and communities. They're happening to faith-based organizations. So we're seeing a lot of that. And, and for those organizations and individuals, hugely disruptive, very significant. Very good. Very good. Well, look, I you know, you may
0: need to mark this down as like somewhere in some record book somewhere, but I'm not gonna say anything else on this on the topic. I agree. I have nothing further to add. No no, snarky, no, no snarky remark,
1: Jen?
2: Wait, I said wait for it. I, I'm
0: just, <laughs> I think just we're pause.
1: waiting for the like, Dave. No, yes. Right. You know, for me to come back. Like I've got nothing else to add. <laughs> but but no, hey, we'll, let's let's move on, Dave. Let's, let's hold that. Let's hold that. <laughs> We're going to
0: move on. Let's move on. We're going to do two more here. So here we go. Uh, Industrial entities will top off their tech stacks, but struggle to keep up with their staff shortages and vertical regulations. So really talking about, you know, obviously trying to increase capabilities, increase functionality, but those uh, vacancy lists are are growing. Where are you at on this one, Jen? Uh, Hit the mark, uh, slightly off or completely off target.
2: It depends. I, I would I would err on the side of hit the mark. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: if the entity falls under a regulation, a regulated sector, which really few of them do out of the sixteen, I you know three or four, four or five maybe. Um, so not even half. Of um, then I'd say okay on the tech stack. You know they're they're doing what needs to be done. They're doing the needful, um, as it were. But those that struggle, um, or those that need it struggle with it all um you know if you're a municipality or a smaller business smaller organization you know, your resources are limited uh, but you also don't have, you may especially if you're a municipality you don't have much control over that so you know your fate is in someone else's hands you're not bored but you're um i guess board um commission commissioners whatever um but then there's those that have the funds maybe they're not willing to pay well. So they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. They may be increasing their tech stack, which requires more more help, assistance and more talent to help, but they're not willing to pay what needs to be paid. And so, you know, they're shooting themselves in the foot. I don't know that those are kind of some of the crazy thoughts
1: I had.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. I, I'm going to tend to agree with you, but I want to give Andy a chance to go before then. So Andy, go for it.
1: I mean, I I think Jen's right. I don't think there was a significant change here in 2023, I'll say. I think Mm -hmm. what's encouraging, you know, you'll see that an organization, you know, something in the news, right, that an organization has hired their first CISO. And you'll see that, I think, more and more, right? So I think people are embracing the fact they need to have somebody in charge of information security. I think you're seeing more investment in the right resources and people and technology. Not everything, right, that they should be doing. Not everyone is doing everything they should be doing it's kind of like it was a year before think mean, there's been a significant change and same thing on the regulatory environment like there, there's a lot of questions about regulations. But this year, you know regulation hasn't been a significant game changer that could be different next year, but I don't think it's going to be as significant as, as maybe we, we thought it was with a lot of pushback right now in Congress, so I, I, I agree with Jen uh, generally generally agree with the statement.
0: Yeah, I'm going to make that a three for three on this one. I I just, you know, I don't think this is any news breaking. This is not really a big type of, you know, you're not going out on a ledge on this one. I mean, I do do think, you know, more organizations are going to be looking to leverage a lot of that type of capabilities for increasing their tech stack to try to increase efficiencies because there is a skills gap. There is a staff shortages. So how do we do that and balance that? But then it comes around to bite you in the in the rear on the other end because you do need some of that. So, Jeb, what, you got something else?
2: It's not, I mean, obviously assessing your tech stack and, and having the right, you know, controls and everything in place from a cybersecurity perspective perspective is important, but it isn't always about buying the next shiny thing. A lot yep. of times it's about the fun mastering or at least, uh, you know, looking at and bettering the, the basics or the fundamentals so you don't always have to buy new technology
0: very good very good all right so for this last one we're going to take a little bit because i know where andy is going to go with some of his stories of the year so we're going to start with jen first and i'm going to go and then i'm going to let andy have the last word on this this one because this is look, this is again not 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 really going out on a ledge on anything, but ransomware isn't going anywhere. That's our final prediction that we're 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 doing for this uh, for this episode. So Jen, did it hit the mark? Slightly off or completely off target?
2: It's spot on. There, yeah. There's no surprise there. Um, ransomware isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And you know, like like Andy said earlier, he wasn't going to pull any punches, and I was trying to be diplomatic. Um, I'm going to be harsh this time. It's just too easy for ransomware threat actors. We make it incredibly easy for threat actors. So, um, you know, especially a few years ago when insurance companies decided, oh, we'll take everything, you know, we'll take care, help you with everything associated with ransomware. And that really, yeah, okay, they did that to themselves. So perhaps the only saving grace now is that cyber insurance um, is making it more difficult for folks to qualify for coverage if they don't meet those minimum standards. Um, you know, uh, that's bad, but it's also good because it, it forces that um, accountability. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've done that about face where the insurance market is from, but, you know, we could unwrap this one for a hot minute. Um, but um, although I do want to say, and I'm sure it'll come up later in one of Andy's stories or mine, um the the group that did and i wrote a story on it but i can't remember who the group was for whatever um maybe it was Lockbit, bit but the, did the sec complaint yeah brilliant <laughs> <laughs> i mean i laughed out loud literally when yeah. they did that now will it be conti- will that trend continue uh, who knows i haven't you know i haven't seen anything else since then but um i i had to laugh on that but i'm sure we'll unpack that one later
0: yeah, very good. So I'm gonna go with you. Obviously, this one's too easy, right? Your is not going anywhere. Um, that that's that's easy, it's right on the mark. Um, and, and I will just say, I mean, look, there's a lot of lessons learned to be gained throughout the year. So please go back and look at these incidents and, and look at how these things occurred because you know we can always learn from them, and just when you think your enterprise is is properly secured, you're probably not. And I think there's always opportunities there to, to, to take a look at those. So Andy, I'm gonna give you the final word on this because we're gonna jump into then our stories of the year. So you can kind of double dip on this one, Andy, you can wrap it up for, is this on the mark as well as your story of the year, if that's where
1: you're gonna go. Okay, all right, so good little uh, segue then. So I'll say, you know to the question or the statement, ransomware isn't going anywhere, correct? I agree. I agree with both of you on that and the statement that was made um, to Jen's point, you know, interestingly, so this was last month, if anybody missed, we talked. we, we talked about a number of reports, I think, on some of the podcasts, but yeah, so, so Black Cat ransomware, Alfie ransomware, right, notified the SEC that they compromised somebody, right? Interestingly, right, well, there was a lot of attention on, oh, look at this clever tactic. H- here we are now about not even a month later, and there's a lot of, you know, questioning saying, where is... Al, where is Black Hat ransom? <laughs> right, it's been it's been quiet, and, and nobody nobody knows for sure. There's some suggestion that it's you know, maybe law enforcement took them down, but nobody quite knows for sure. So, I don't know. Did, did they did they do something in their clever SEC filing that uh, you know shot themselves in the foot? Maybe I, I don't know. I think we'll hear about that probably the next uh, you know one to two weeks here. That will that'll, that'll get cleared up here quickly. So so I'll pivot, Dave. Um, you know, you asked for you know, one or two stories of the year and kind of think about next year as well. And I think ransomware has to be one of those for me. There's not a single day that goes by where we aren't sharing multiple reports. We're not noting multiple incidents. Um, Our friends at eCrime track every ransomware claim that's made and the report is never dry. There's always multiple, multiple victims hats off to incredible work being done there and the value that adds to the community. But it's it's exhausting and just seeing how much is occurring every single day, and the groups are proliferating there's more and more groups. There's lower barriers to entry. This is a concern for 2,024. I'll, I'll give a hat tip to MCsoft who um put out a, a post just this week. Um, looking at a lot of you know, cybersecurity experts and, and some predictions for 2,024, and, and and just the continued frustration of ransomware was was an underlying point to, to a lot of them because it's becoming cheaper. Easier, which means you've got less sophisticated, less less clever, less technically competent individuals horsing around with ransomware, trying to make a, a quick score, and and that could become increasingly problematic, right? The amateurization of, of ransomware could become a problem. The McDonaldization of ransomware—it's a quote, uh, Alan Liske, recorded future. I thought that was a clever term—is a problem, right? So ransomware has been a big story for 2023 it's affected organizations again across critical infrastructure it's affected governments at all levels in the us internationally and that's not going to change in 2024 it has potential to get worse in 2024 so we've got to again prepare for it we've got a plan we've got the procedures in place we've got a executive buy-in from the ceo and cfo on what we can and can't do and who's supposed to be doing what we should be exercising these things and we should be ready to respond on the assumption that we will be compromised because a lot of people are being compromised. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's not going anywhere, it's it's going everywhere. And it's gonna be a continued persistent problem for 2024.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a good one, Andy. I know you track this a lot. You work with a lot of groups around this this topic. And and I agree. Just you know, I, I think it was, was it 2017, 2018, we saw numbers actually went down for a little bit and we we're like, oh, ransomware is so you know, it's all we're we're all good on this. And then next thing you know, it's uh, completely through the roof. So it's not going anywhere for a while. So so Jen, floor is yours. What's the one or two stories you got on your docket? Uh, that uh, from 2023, that'll leave a lasting impact?
2: Well, similar to Andy, uh, you know, with the ransomware and the, probably the big, I guess the idea is, um, so I have two um, where large bits of them really impacted a couple of the communities that I support, namely water and the other one tribal, um, but that's not why I picked them. I just felt like there were some things that happened uh, that made more nationwide widespread gave gave it widespread attention, put kind of cybersecurity maybe at the dinner table. Maybe that's a stretch. but um, from the water and wastewater sector, there were a few things um, some more um, more widely known than others. One was the Aliquipa incident at the water treatment plant here in uh, in Pennsylvania and Western Pennsylvania, along with other, incidents that similarly occurred because of the, um, I re- potentially I ran back the Cyber Avengers group um, that uh, attacked the Unitronics PCs, or Unitronics PLCs, excuse me. Um, so there was some exposure on that, not, you know, oh yeah, the big news becomes, oh, it's this water plant. And that's not really the why wa- it's not because of the water plant, it's because of the component that they were running. Um, but this was this little small, uh utility in you know again western pennsylvania that was impacted well who that you know and it's not about how big you are it's about it's not about who you are where you're at it's about what you're running what you have your data your devices um and i think that you know brought again you know every I've talked to cnn i've talked to the wall street journal i've talked to post the pittsburgh post gazette um you know here in well, pittsburgh so in some other smaller so it's it's getting outside of our little cybersecurity cybersphere cyber sphere circles um so there's that and then there were a couple other things that happened in the water sector whether or not that got widespread attention like learning that old smar wasn't really old smar and <laughs> you know what i mean the original disclosure in 2021 um wasn't exactly what happened and we found something different out in March of this year and then the EPA tried to put regulations in place and unfortunately they had to withdraw it which I am personally in my humble opinion bummed about I'm not going to go into it but um, my second story similarly but on the other end of the spectrum is again brought widespread attention across every outlet I could think of and no I wasn't quoted for those thank goodness because I followed it enough and it was busy, but the MGM Caesars, and I believe that um, or MGM and Caesars incident, um, Andy mentioned the MGM uh, incident earlier, but it goes back to size doesn't, you know, size doesn't matter. Um, you know, you think that the behemoths like that, like MGM and Caesars have cybersecurity in hands, but, you know, there were gaps and it goes back to, uh, you know, the um, identity and access management and the multi-factor authentication type stuff and the social engineering type stuff that we were talking about in the beginning of the show. Um, but again, you've got the, you know, the little little water utility that got widespread attention that's, you know, bringing exposure to or awareness to another, um, other issues, a larger issue there that we're not, I guess we're not going to get into now. And then you've got the behemoths that get impacted with who you would think, oh, you know, that would, you know, they'd have cybersecurity under control. So um, both ends of that spectrum. Those were my stories.
0: Yeah, very good, Jen. I, sticking strong to the cybersecurity stuff that's, as we would expect. So that's great. That's awesome. So I'm going to go here um, on mine. I'm going to talk first about, a, you know, if, if Jen... Jen is not of the physical world, right? <laughs> so we have to remember that. But um, I will go to the physical world. I'll talk active shooter. We had the big one this year uh, in Maine. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of feedback from there. A lot of discussion as a result of that. A lot of different uh, lessons to be learned through that process as well. But if you go back even to January, we started off with uh, in, in a couple of incidents in California involving active shooters and how uh, one of the employees actually disrupted uh, further escalation of that event there. And it continued throughout the year. And I think what we saw were some patterns and trends and themes where as organizations start taking stronger defenses around access controls, there are um, active shooters who are now extending that They're starting to engage more from the parking lot. And we have to consider that when we're looking at all of our stuff. I've talked about this on several different podcasts, extending the perimeter out to the parking lots, the garages and all those other areas. So a lot of lessons learned from active shooters this year. Encourage everyone to go back through and look at that. Unfortunately, this is just going to be a reality moving forward as well until we can continue to address a lot of the core issues around this. And it's, it's not just guns, people. It's a lot of different things that we have to look at. It's about reporting. It's about, you know, managing individuals. It's about mental health. There's a lot of things here. Um, early intervention and engagement, go back to the U.S. Secret Service report from earlier this year with mass attacks in public spaces, early intervention by identifying behaviors and patterns. So I want to just hit on that. I know, Andy, you know, we've talked a lot about the, my other topic is, you know, obviously Israel Hamas is is a big thing that, that October 7th and beyond, that's been a big thing. But I want to focus on the increase of hate-based attacks as a result of that, and I mean on both sides, um, it it applies universally, uh, but we have seen an escalation of hate-based attacks. We've seen Um, Like we did in a lot of different ways, protests and demonstrations. We've seen a lot of different things that have occurred. Vandalism, harassment, uh, destruction of personal property and and public property. So a lot of things that we saw through there. and, And I think as we continue to move forward here, when we talked about, you know, one of the predictions from last year about the big four you know, you're starting to see some of that emerge on the physical side, too. You have Russia engaged with Ukraine. You have, um, you have Iran that is supporting both Hamas and Russia with various different things there. Uh, you have North Korea that is doing a lot of under-the-table stuff. And, and, of course, China is doing their activities with their alliances with a lot of these fronts to counter a lot of Western activities. So when we look at the physical side, we have to take that into consideration as well. It's not just cyber attacks; it's also the the physical attacks and those blended attacks that can be used against us. So those are my areas. Andy, are you going to cover any other topics for
1: for your go? Well, I, I was going to also bring up the same topic as yeah. my second story. It's like it ties it together. I think you know one, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Israel, Gaza, and the geopolitical and and cascading effects was happening in, in in Israel and Gaza. is is a huge story for 2023. And I think it's, you know, to your point, Dave, you know, a few years ago, right, coming out of WannaCry in 2017, you know, Jen and I and others were talking about, like, what, what do we, how do we think about these cyber physical events, we came up with that term blended threats, and it was sort of a kind of novel idea for a little while, and now it's just, it's just part of the environment, right, cyber attacks have physical consequences, that's just, where we are and, and, yep. and it goes the other way too, right? Natural hazards can affect networks and, and our technology and, and so forth. But, but we've definitely seen a play. We, we saw it to some extent with Russia, Ukraine, right? We saw cyber attacks associated with that across many sectors of critical infrastructure internationally. We saw physical consequences with demonstrations, with, with vandalism, with violence taking place from you know embassies to organizations seem sympathetic to one side or the other to faith-based organizations, right? So we, we saw that already. And with Israel and Gaza, we've seen that just taken up, you know, to, to 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 reference Spinal Tap, one of the greatest movies of all time, taken up to 11, right? We just seen, really seen it turned up. So I think it's been a really impactful story for this year. And again, it just demonstrates how it's going to occur, you know, with any major event, now given Israel, anything happening in the Holy Land is just entirely off another scale, right? In, in the way it affects people and it's, it's very, you know, very impactful, but if something happens in China, Taiwan, right? Then we could see similar type events, right? This can take place in any any geopolitical event. Can kind have of these types of consequences. I think it's it's definitely one of the most significant stories of 2023. It's going to continue into 2024, and it's a great illustration of how this interconnected world we live in is really uh, coming together in the form of threat vectors, attacks, protests, hacktivism, activism. So that's one. Two. I want to go back to something Jen said in two parts. One. As Jim was talking about with the attack in Western PA on the water utility, yes, it was a, a utility that was attacked, but really it was the Israeli component that was being used that was attacked, right? It, it was to have people think about, you know, purchasing, using Israeli-made equipment. And I want to I want to commend an organization who I won't say by name, but if they're listening, they'll know who they are. We did an exercise earlier this year with an organization where we played out a remarkably similar threat. Right where where Israeli equipment used in some of their critical infrastructure was the target of the attack, not the organization itself, but or, or that was a point of compromise in the attack. And it, it was it was it was great foresight from the organization and from their leadership because they were thinking about these types of things. Some organizations are doing that; they're thinking forward, they're thinking about where the threats could come, how they could come, what could be targeted. Others aren't. And either you're gonna be forward-looking or you're gonna be passive and, and you're gonna feel it in different ways based on how you approach you know these threats. So that's wanna just one more real quickly, Dave. If I could just ask Jen a couple of questions here, I just got my wheel spinning. So just to Jen confirm for me, the, the water utility was in Western PA, right? Correct. And the Jen, original
2: one, yeah, that we heard about.
1: And Jen, you you spent a lot of time working with the water sector, correct?
2: Yeah.
1: And Jen, you are also located in Western PA, correct? <laughs> Correct. Oh.
2: It's, it's a neighboring county. Yeah. Hey, I've,
1: I've got a couple of calls to make to our friends at the bureau after we finish this podcast <laughs> today. I'm just connecting dots. I'm not an investigator. I'm just asking questions here. <laughs> hey,
2: I called my cybersecurity advisor right when I heard about it. <laughs> interesting
1: coincidence, Ms. Walker. And said, "Let me tag along if you if
2: you uh, if you make oh. any site visits." <laughs>
1: Dave, I'm 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 done. I'm done. I'll, I'll stop talking. We've got to respect our time here. So. Jen, just teasing. There's
2: us. also a brewery in Western PA too. So I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Hey, mm-hmm. Wait a minute. What's going on?
1: I think <laughs> there's more than one brewery in Western PA. If I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> there was
2: one that was impacted by the Unitronics devices. <laughs>
1: All
0: right, we're going to end on one fun, quick question. This was a good, a good episode. I appreciate you guys joining me and providing your expert opinions on these areas. Uh, one fun holiday question:
1: peppermint mocha or hot chocolate? Andy. So I have no objection to the peppermint mocha, but I can't make it at home. And so I will tell you that where I typically have a a monster drink before my workout, the last few weeks has gotten cold. It's very cold in my garage. I treat myself to a hot chocolate coffee that i make at home as my pre-workout cocktail and it's mighty fine dave so i'm going to go with hot chocolate on this one there you go what about you
2: now why can't you make it at home dude come on i I make them at home all the time it
1: it takes more than than two and a half minutes i don't have time for it that's why jen that's that's Mm. why (laughs)
2: okay we'll talk uh pepper (laughs) mimoga extra shot of espresso half the amount of sugar (laughs)
0: very good very good i'm gonna go with just strict hot chocolate and with that we will end it all here everyone but i appreciate jen and andy joining me for this year-end review a reminder there will be continuous uh, uh, gate 15 podcasts as we continue throughout the rest of the year we may take some days off here you know time to time so don't don't fret we'll be back in the new year ready to go uh but you got the gate 15 interview you got the security sprint and of course you got all the other new, exciting Gate 15 podcast coming out with the IAVM one coming up, and we're excited about that. So with that, everybody, I appreciate it. Have a great happy holidays and a great new year, and I will bid you adieu.